I'm Annabelle, this is Taylor, and this is Sam. (laughs) We're going to be bringing the word tonight, so just bear with us. We're new at this. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'm just going to start off by briefly talking about what Todd talked about last week, just so that you guys, if you weren't here or anything like that. So starting off, um, Todd talked about Israel's constant disobedience to um, God. And because of this disobedience, they were left to wonder in the wilderness for 40 years. So now this 40 years is over, and so that's where Joshua, the book of Joshua, starts off. So if you guys want to get out your Bibles or your Bible app, whatever you guys use. Um, And so now God has promised the people of Israel um, this land, which is called the promised land. Um, These people have been waiting almost 500 years for this land. Okay, so let's just put ourselves in these people's shoes. So the Israelites have been waiting almost 500 years for this promised land. And now they have no leader. Moses, their leader, has died. And so Joshua takes over. So now because Moses has died, God commands Joshua to be in replace of Moses to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the promised land. So in verse 2, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now, leading into the next few verses, we don't actually hear from Joshua personally. Like, we don't hear a conversation between God and Joshua. But we can assume that Joshua is now taking on this big responsibility to lead all these thousands of Israelites into the promised land. And that's a big thing. Like, this promised land, they've been waiting for it. This is the, they've always wanted this to be their home. And so God promised them, and now Joshua is leading them. So you can imagine how overwhelmed Joshua might feel. In this moment, because of this huge responsibility now on his shoulders to lead in the way that God called him to. Um, But God didn't just randomly pick Joshua. He knew Joshua was fit to lead these people because of his obedience and because of his submission to the word of God. In a way, I can relate to this because my first year of um, being called to go to Nicaragua, I had kind of felt overwhelmed with the calling that God had given me. But at the same time, I knew that God was calling me to it, and he would equip me for that mission. And just in the way that Joshua knew that he was called, even though he was overwhelmed with like this responsibility, he was still knew that God would be there. Um, and so I encourage you guys, we might feel overwhelmed in a calling God has given us, uncertain that God can use us, or maybe even feeling like we aren't fit for the job. But we can be certain that God is the one leading the way for us if we just step out in obedience. Then adding on to that, not only did Joshua, did God remind Joshua of his presence, in verse 5, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God not only reminds him of his presence. In a moment that we're, you know, going on a mission trip or any situation of life, we want to know God's there. And that's the first thing that God does. He says, I am with you, just as I was with Moses. And then he goes on to remind Joshua three different times of this, like, super good truth, I think. So in verse 6, it says, be strong and courageous. And then he says it again in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Then again in verse 9, he asks this question to Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is one of my favorite verses in this chapter because of the question God asks. He says, have I not commanded you? Like, duh, this is what I have called you to do, to lead these Israelites into the promised land. Um, And he he equipped Joshua to lead these people. 
question and be reminded of this, tr- of this truth to be strong and courageous. So when I was reading this and like studying over my notes and everything, I just asked myself, I said, like, have, hasn't God commanded me to love, to be kind, to serve, and to give? He commands us in all different ways and not just to lead all these thousands of people, but to many other things that we can apply to everyday life. Um, so we need to just be reminded that whenever, just going through every single day, just to be reminded that we will never, that God will never leave us after commanding us to do something. He's not going to be like, I have called you to do this, but now I'm just going to leave you. Just like leave you hanging. Like God's not like that. He reminds us of his presence. And then he tells us to be strong and courageous in this situation. Be like, I'm here with you. Be strong and courageous. And then, um, because God will be with you wherever you go, wherever he has called you to go. And so, um, in response to God's command in verse 10, so Joshua ordered the, so this is the end of Joshua, after he um, tells him, you know, I'll be with you, be strong and courageous. And then, then in response to that, Joshua ordered the officers, this is verse 10 and 11, officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan, here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving for your own. So Joshua, in response to God's command, Joshua doesn't hesitate. Like Moses, like Moses was like, no, like I, pick someone else. I don't, I, you know, pick someone else. It's not me. I don't want to do it. But Joshua was like not hesitant in any way. He said, okay, let's get ready. And so who do you want to be like? Do you want to be like Moses who says, God, pick someone else. I just don't think I'm ready or equipped to do this. Or do you want to be like Joshua who says, God, I'm I'm ready because I know you're here with me and I know that I can be strong and courageous when I'm obedient to you. Um, And so how can we be more like Joshua in the way he responded to God? So just like um, Annabelle just stated in the last verse, um, as a part of Joshua's plan, he sent two of the spies to scope out the land to see um, what the land was about and what it was like and all that kind of stuff. And there they met a... um, There they met a Gentile prostitute, and her name was Rahab. So I'm just going to read a little snippet of what's going on in Joshua 2. So the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spout the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to a Gentile prostitute named Rahab. The king of Jericho said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spout the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said to the king of Jericho, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. But really, she had hidden them and taken them up on the roof under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So basically what's going on in this passage is that um, Joshua had sent the spies, and the spies ended up at this Gentile prostitute's house. So there is an emphasis on the word Gentile prostitute for a reason, and I don't just keep saying that for no reason, I promise. (laughs) So um, back then, a Gentile was a person that was a non-Jew. So you would, we would all be Jews here today, or Gentiles, sorry, not Jews. (laughs) We would not be Jews, we would be Gentiles. Um, (laughs) Good one. And so um, Gentiles back then were looked down upon, and they were looked at as unworthy of God's goodness, and they weren't the chosen ones necessarily. And um, 
so the significance of this specific part in the Bible is that Rahab was already set apart because of her reputation and how she was in the town. Not only was she a Gentile, but she was a prostitute as well. So not only had um, Rahab heard about the God of Israel, she believed the power and the promises that God could achieve. So this leap of faith was huge for her. So this goes to show believers are saved not only by their good deeds, but by their profession of faith. Faith has the power to save God's people from life in a fallen world. And so basically, that goes for Rahab because, yes, she was a Gentile prostitute, but she was still willing to take that step in um, her profession of faith. So my question for you is how can we have faith like Rahab in environments that don't encourage that? Um, I know that I can relate to that on a personal level because throughout high school, my first two years, uh, I really did not hang out with the right crowd of people. I didn't, I didn't really make the decisions they made, but I was still in the crowd that they were. So I would go to parties. Um, I would watch people drink to the point where they couldn't even walk straight. I would watch people do drugs that I didn't even know existed. Um, and I would always just be in the environment. And although I was in the environment, I knew that that wasn't who I was. I knew who that, that wasn't me in Christ. So um, I still knew who I was in Christ. I still went to church. I still believed all of God's promises, but I didn't really live like I was supposed to. So um, as I progressively was getting stronger in my faith is when I stopped hanging around the wrong crowd and started making better decisions. Um, and like I said, just because I knew I was in the environment, it didn't really define who I was in Christ. So this goes back to Rahab because, yes, again, she was really, her reputation wasn't really that great. But she knew that the king of, or she knew, <laughs> she knew that God would fulfill what he said he was going to at the promised land. And so she could have easily hidden this, not hidden the spies and been like, I'm going to save myself because that's the easy way out. But she knew that God had promised her this. So because of Rahab's love for the Lord and her profession of faith, she chose God's word instead of the ways of the world. So what does that look like for you? What seems to be holding you back in your faith? Could it be like me when I chose the wrong crowd and yes, I was choosing the wrong things to do and choosing the wrong people to be around? Or um, how could you step out in your faith and how could you be more like Rahab was in her faith? Maybe that can mean... Um, you leaving the crowd altogether and standing firm in your faith and knowing who you are as a Christian. Or maybe that could mean not being involved in the party scene altogether. Or maybe that means, hey, like I'm still going to kind of mess with the same crowd, but maybe I'll show them who I'm all about. Maybe I will step out in my faith and tell them what my God is about and what my religion is about and what Christianity is about. So that leads me on into Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. It says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. This is Rahab talking. <laughs> because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Our lives are your lives. The men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So as a reward of uh, Rahab's profession of faith, her, her time of need. So that just leads me to the same all around. Every little step in faith and decision made is huge to God. Whether it be something small like hiding spies in your roof or whether it be something huge like leading a group of people into the promised land. Every single profession of faith and every single detail is significant to God.
So they've spied out the land. The spies have returned home at this point, and they're ready to cross into the promised land. Uh, so Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, uh, Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And what that means is basically like consecration is just setting yourself apart to be used for God's glory. It's removing yourself from the world and making yourself sacred so that God can use you effectively. Um, and so they, the Israelites consecrate themselves. They prepare to cross the Jordan River um, to get into the promised land. And the next day they go and they come up to the Jordan River. The Jordan River is a really powerful river. It's really fast and like hard to cross. And especially at this time of year, it was harvest time, so the banks were overflowing. But God stopped the river for them, and so they could cross on dry ground, just like he parted the Red Sea. He stopped the Jordan River for them to cross into the Promised Land. Um, And so now they're in the Promised Land. But they have to conquer it first. Um, And so God commands uh, Joshua to take the people and conquer Jericho first, the land they just spied out. Um, So I'm going to read Joshua 6, 3 through 5. This is the plan that God sets before Joshua. Uh, And so in verse 3 he says, You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people will shout a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, everyone straight before him. Jericho's like a heavily fortified city. It's like got massive walls and like no one's getting through them. And God's asking them to march and expect them to fall down. (laughs) So Joshua takes this plan to the people and they accept it and they're, you know, all for it. And so the next day they start marching and they march again the next day and they keep marching. And guess what? They keep marching for six days and nothing happens. What's going on with that? Um, how many of us want immediate results? Um, how many of us would be questioning if God would ever come through for us despite our best efforts? Um, I would definitely be questioning if God was going to ever work. Um, um, me, personally, I like to see progress. I like to see, you know, if I'm writing a research paper or something, I like to see, you know, I, re- I just wrote this paragraph. Heck yeah, I, don't, I got this much to go. Um, but with God, we don't get that. We don't get a little, you know, update you're 10% there, keep going. We don't get that with God. We get, you know, sometimes silence, sometimes he answers our prayers, um, but he doesn't give us those progress updates. Um, and so my dad has always told me that um, spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth, that you know that at one point you were a child, you were small, an infant, but you also know now that you are grown from then. But in between, you don't know how that happened. You don't remember growing like a foot in a day. That doesn't happen. Um, it's just slow and steady, taking one step at a time. And, you know, it could be, take weeks. It could take months, even years, before you finally hear one thing from God. But the key is to have faith that he will come through, that eventually, as you walk with him, that you can look back and see, I'm different from when I was then. I react different uh, than I did then to this thing that obviously made me mad back then, but now I'm fine. But yeah, so you can't see growth while you're on the journey, but you can look back and realize that you've grown since you began. Um, But the Israelites did not stop marching. They kept on having faith that God would come through for them. 
Uh, and on the seventh day, they took seven rounds around the city. Um, and the trumpets were blowing, and the people were shouting. And um, after the seventh round, on the seventh day, Joshua six sixteen, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Um, and, jump, and jumping down to verse 20. Um, so the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, and they captured the city. So God came through for his people. He promised them that he would come through, and they had faith that he would come through, and he did. He provided for them. The, the walls of Jericho fell down flat, and they were able to conquer the city um, because of the Israelites' faith. Um, I want to emphasize that, that they had faith, and they obeyed God's commands. They, they did nothing. They marched around a city. That doesn't bring walls down. That doesn't defeat a city. Marching, like, they didn't fight at all. Um, and so my main point, we are called to faithfulness. God calls us as his followers to faithfulness. God is responsible for the fruitfulness. God is responsible to come through for us. Um, and so now I'm going to jump to verse 27, and I'll focus on this verse, the last part of my message. Um, so chapter 6, verse 27 says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. His being Joshua's fame was in all the land. Um, and so this is after they had conquered the city, and then, you know, word spread of, oh my gosh, they took down Jericho? How did they do that? And word spread throughout the land that the Israelites are here. The Israelites are coming. Um, and so the fact that, you know, Joshua's fame was in all the land, that verse shouldn't be taken as, you know, if I follow God, he'll do good things for me. He'll make me famous. That should, that's, not what hap- that's not what happens. That is just a side effect of Joshua's journey of, with God. Um, our goal should not be to use God as a means to a good life or to fame. Our goal should be to glorify God in all that we do. And if good things come from that, that's amazing. That's great. Praise the Lord for that. But if not, if your life stays as it is now, that's okay. That's like you're still doing God's work. There's nothing, there will be nothing more fulfilling than getting to heaven and God telling you, Matthew 25, 23, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So what that says is that, you know, if you are faithful over the little things and the big things, just every little thing of your life, if you're faithful that God can provide for you, then he will set you over much in heaven that as long as, like on earth, while you're in your time on earth, have faith in like, you know, that quiz, you know, pray to God. Um, God, help me with this quiz. You know, have faith in the little things um, and God will provide. Um, So my main point for tonight is um, whether you are a Joshua leading the charge or one of the nameless thousands that were marching around the city, your faith can make walls come down. Um, so I'm going to close this out. Um, tonight we've looked at several different characters, like Joshua, Rahab, uh, the spies that were sent into the Promised Land, and the Israelite people as a whole. Uh, and one common thread runs through all of them. They all had faith that God would come through for them. Um, so what does that teach us? What, what point does that make? That if we have faith and we obey God's commands, as he says in his word, his commands are in his word, as, we, as long as we have faith and we obey his commands, that he will provide for us. 
um, according to his will. Now, his will is not always our, our will. Just like JT said in his story, you know, God's will is not our will all the time. You know, you may want to win that football game or you may want to, you know, get into that college. God may not let that happen. And you may think, be thinking, what the heck? I'm being faithful. I'm obeying your commands, God. Why didn't you let good things happen to me? But I'm going back to that point. Our, our goal is not to get good things from God. Our goal is to glorify God. Um, and so he may, not, he, won't, he may not give you the victory in that uh, football game. He may not let you get into the college. Your life could become chaotic and so hectic. But let this one thing be the common thread throughout it all. Faith. Have faith when things are tough. Have faith when there's bad all around you. Have faith in the one thing that never wavers. God. Let me pray. Dear Lord, help us to have faith. Help us to trust you, God, and what you say in your word, that you will provide for those that have faith and obey your command, God. God, I don't know um, what any of these students are thinking tonight, God, if um, they're holding back areas of their life from you, if they're thinking, I have to control this one part. But God, I pray that you just break down that stronghold. Uh, I pray that you, you know, just soften their heart to have faith in you, God, that you will just impact their life, God, and that they can know that as long as they have faith in you, that you will provide for them, God, that you, can, you will come through. And when they get to heaven, that there will be nothing more fulfilling than, you know, we've been faithful over a little. You'll set us over much, God. So in your name we pray. Amen.